0: Okay, time for more financial questions answered on several topics, including what the hell is PMI and why do some people freak out about it? Let's chop it up. What's happening, everybody? How y'all doing? Welcome to the How to Buy a Home podcast. The podcast that is brought to you by me. I am the How to Buy a Home Guy, and this podcast is here to help you out. We're going to figure out how to turn your largest monthly bill, your rent, into your largest automatic wealth builder a lot sooner than you think. You can do this, gang, just by getting educated. As I said, I'm David Sedoni, the How to Buy a Home Guy. I'm a realtor with eXp Realty here in Southern California, and I quit the usual path of usual real estate agents, who earlier this year, I decided... I didn't want to do what everyone else was doing because I saw some people who needed help. So in 2019, I decided to focus on a huge problem. You. Wait, that sounded wrong. You're not the problem. See, the problem is uh, the empty wasteland of decent information that is out there for first-time buyers. That's the problem. And trust me, I've looked, I've seen. If it's not this podcast, if it's not my Facebook page or not my YouTube channel, It's usually wrong or it's trying to sell you something. I know that sounds incredibly narcissistic, easy for me to say. I know it sounds like I'm completely full of myself, but there's a reason for that. It's that the industry doesn't think that there's enough money in it. So they bailed on you and they went to go work with the sellers. And if you think I'm kidding, go ahead, Google it right now. Google first-time home buyer. You won't find a realtor out there. As a matter of fact, I did just see a guy on Instagram and Facebook that is selling a workbook. For $250, a workbook and some videos to tell you how to buy your first home to anybody in the country. Now, I just wanted to remind you how much you paid for this podcast today. Absolutely free. And I haven't seen it, but I'm willing to bet that uh, he's not being as straight as I am with you guys. Boy, that sounded awful too. I don't know. He could be a great guy. God bless him. Thanks for trying to help. Well, the bottom line is you are the smarter consumer for grabbing all this information for free. So good job. Today, we're going to continue our six-part mini-series on how to financially prepare to buy your first home. And by a look at the download numbers that I've seen online, apparently this topic is seriously of interest to you <laughs> because this mini-series right now, it's the most recent thing that I've done, which means that it's been on the internet for the least amount of time, yet it seems to be getting the most downloads. All the financial preparation ones are the ones that have the most downloads, so I get it. In fact, I'm going to encourage you to DM me, message me, go to my website, shoot me an email, text me, you know, with a list of topics, something that you're interested in, because right now all I'm doing is looking at the numbers, staring at a screen going, I think that's what they want. So remember, this show's for you. And for now, I'm just totally pulling topics out of my butt since I've got a list a mile long. 13 years of this, 82 first-time buyers, three more in escrow right now, too. Woohoo! I've got tons of experience and tons of different stories. And right now, I'm just talking to a microphone and my iPhone, and it's kind of lonely. But mostly, I don't care. I can listen to myself talk all day. It's you. What do you want to know? Write me. Get involved. All right, before we get to part six on our financial preparedness, let's start with some great news. Let's ring the bell. That is me hitting a colander with a spoon. I turned into a morning radio dork. Uh, Hey, we got number two, Nicole in Green Bay. Nicole in Green Bay reached out to me. I hooked her up with a unicorn realtor named Kevin in Green Bay. Bang, she's closing this week. So we've got yet another nationwide person closing. This podcast is here for you if you're years away, but some people found us when they were pretty close. And so congratulations, Nicole. We're very excited for you. And our next bell ring... This brings us to a segment that we call Story Time with David. See, it's just like an elementary school assembly presentation by some, you know, crazy artsy people in primary colored shirts with white overalls. Yeah, that was my job when I was 19. And though this is going to be in story format, I'm going to do like the people try to do when they come to your elementary school and they do those assemblies. They try to like sneak in the ethics and the morals. You know, wrapped up in the themes and the motifs and the plot twists. But the difference is that you actually asked for this information as opposed to being forced to sit crisscross applesauce on a cold, multi purpose room floor, (laughs) getting all those secret morals shoved down your throat and you don't even know about it. And of course, it's always brought to you by the worst local community players. Like I said, this podcast is here to educate and help you. So rather than continuing to listen to me for a little while, let me tell you a story directly from one of our listener friends. This comes straight from the horse's mouth. There are lots of great first-time buyer home lessons in here, including some, some of the financial ideas that we're looking to talk about with this episode. So here's the story. This comes to us by, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right because we talk for a long time and she's awesome, Simonette. She just says, call me Sim, but it's Simonette and Dave from New Orleans. Here's their story. So Sim writes, dear David, I've been meaning to write you for some time now, I wanted to thank you for your podcast, for your truth, your wit, your willingness to share information. Without you, my husband Dave and I would still be renting a cramped space and throwing money away each month. I was doing that just two months ago when I started listening to your podcast. I'm an artist, so I started listening while I was on a three-week job restoring some sculptures and paintings at our local zoo. (laughs) Pretty cool, huh? Each morning, surrounded by the calls of the animals just walking up a lush jungle within the zoo, I would learn about credit, financing, mortgages, realtors, and all the things that seemed like amorphous big bad fears you made these things concrete something that could be explained researched and understood the episode where you broke down how much people could afford based on their income was a real game changer for me i realized that i could totally afford a house in my city she's from new orleans and says that it's getting pretty expensive and that i didn't have to save up the 20 percent down (gasps) something we're going to talk about contrary to what my parents had told me my entire life yes it's true that alone was huge I was painting an elephant sculpture when I heard that part, and I remember stopping, pacing around for a moment and being like, yeah, okay, I can actually do this. Before that day, I wasn't sure what I could afford. I'm 34, my husband's 38, we've thrown a lot of rental money down the drain, and we would have kept on doing it if it weren't for your podcast. So I keep painting and keep listening. I have already have some in my savings. I'd started savings, wasn't sure how much I'd need. I get to the episode where you talk about exactly how much money you need to close in the house, and man, that information was good. I was like, okay, I have a goal, a realistic goal. Finally, I was thinking I'd be in the 300 to 350 realm, so I needed to save 20K saved up, and I already had $10,000. Then you said that some people use money from retirement accounts for a down payment. My ears perk up. Dave and I work as scenic artists and sculptors in the film and television industry. We're a part of a film union, IATSE, and part of our contract our employers pay into an annuity fund. We have way more than enough in our annuity funds to cover a down payment. I made a series of phone calls, sent some emails, and then two days later, I was told we can draw the estimated cash to close from our annuity funds so we can buy a house, have enough to cash to close, and even get a 10% down payment covered. This was huge. I would never even have thought to ask about this had it not been for you. We got our fabulous sassy unicorn realtor, Lauren Hodges, for anyone in New Orleans, who I interviewed using some of your questions. She's a true badass. We started looking for houses, but with an actual realtor and in person instead of just flipping through the pictures on the internet like I've been doing for the past six months. We were pre-qualified and knew what we could afford. We found one in our neighborhood, got no bidding war, and get this, lost by $5,000. So we kept on looking at houses as people familiar with construction, and finishing working on movie sets we have to be meticulous about the stuff we were surprised and appalled by some of the details in the, in the homes that we saw things look so different in the pictures did you hear that gang plaster in great undulating waves every outlet in the house was crooked giant gaps areas where it was obvious the house has been recently flooded and the water line hadn't even been hidden or treated uh, from katrina wow that's interesting Shelves barely attached to the walls, all of this and new renovations. Attention to details, everything. And if you can see it on the surface, what about the stuff that's behind the wall? That's a very good point. If you see mess and stuff in the house, then what's underneath the hood? That's what I always say. When my clients and I see a house and everything's meticulous and anal and orderly, I bet you the water heater and the plumbing and the electric is all in order. Anyway, back to the story. What's lurking behind and waiting to come out to be your very next expensive money pit horror show? There were other houses that were nice, but for some reason they just weren't right. Then I got an email notification from my realtor. Yes, an email notification. Very important. Work with a good realtor. Got an email notification about a house that wasn't in an area that I expected, but I clicked on it just out of curiosity. It was gorgeous. It was not only gorgeous inside, but had everything we wanted, was the right price, and had a lush tropical backyard with an outdoor fireplace and an outdoor shower. And it opened right up to the Mississippi River levee blah, blah, blah. She goes on for another paragraph. Bottom line, it's their dream house. And folks, she sent me a link to it. It is gorgeous. So we made an offer 10K under asking. And after a day of nervous pacing, wondering and waiting, it was accepted. Lauren recommended a fantastic mortgage agent, Ted, who's a local guy and sounded so much like you when he started talking enthusiastically about first time homebuyers and throwing money away on rent that I had to laugh. He brought lunch to the inspection it turns out that he gave him a great rate and he knows some of their friends. So she continues, we're under contract through inspections and scheduled to close on October 15th. We're trying to decide if we should use the money we save for a down payment to make a larger down payment, which would save us $50 a month on the note, or if we should spend a little on new furniture and put the rest in a house fund bank account, like our mortgage agent suggested. This is a good problem to have. Okay, I'm going to pause the story right here for just a second. So obviously, I got this email and I was thrilled, but I immediately reached out to call her to tell her that I completely agreed with her mortgage agent on that. If you are in a situation where you're going to be, you're trying to figure out, should I do 3.5% down or 5% down? Should I do 5% down or 10% down? Should I do 20% down or 25% down? If you're in a situation like that, where you're going to do, let's say you're in great shape and you're figuring out, should I put 20% down or 25% down? There's no reason to put 25% down makes absolutely no sense because what you're doing there is you're taking 5%, which could be what? 50, 60, 70, $80,000. And you're taking that, or I don't care what, even if it's only $10,000 because you're buying a lower price place. Wouldn't you rather pay $50 extra a month and have $10,000 in the bank? Heck, if you really want to put that $10,000 in the bank and pay the extra 50 bucks a month from that $10,000. But the bottom line is, when that money's in the bank, as opposed to locked into your house, it's liquid, which means you can access it anytime. What if you have a $5,000 problem with your home? and you need to fix it. After your warranty's up, after a year? Well, now you have a home savings account. The only way to get money out of your house once you put it into it after the down payment is that you will have to sell the home. So unless you have a large reserve saving account, work the down payment so you can leverage the mortgage. To the least amount as possible. Now that's gonna ruffle a lot of feathers, but as long as you're putting the money aside and you don't touch it, I truly believe that's the best thing you can do. Continuing with the story, as a first time home buyer, I am definitely still a little scared by things and navigating the new murky waters, deciding on homeowners insurance and flood insurance in case of a flood or hurricane in Orleans, but I'm also empowered and thrilled that this is actually happening. I have to pinch myself sometimes to make sure it's real. We're going to move into this beautiful new house and only pay a little more than what we're paying right now monthly. Did you hear that? They're going to move into their own new house and only pay a little more than they're paying right now monthly, thanks to buying a duplex. And all that money is going towards something. I should have contacted you sooner. Do you hear that, gang? But I felt like there was too much to write in a Facebook message or comment. Never! Reach out! Trust me. The sooner you get started, the sooner this happens, and the sooner you stop throwing your rent away. You're changing lives. You definitely changed ours. Blah, 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 blah. Wonderful, wonderful love. So what's really interesting is then I go ahead and give her a call. We start chatting. Turns out she hadn't even really understood the tax ramifications and the tax benefits of owning a house. She didn't realize that she was, could change their deductions, which I will explain this one later. This is probably going to be the last piece of the financial mini series. But she didn't realize she was so stressed to me about she was so excited, as you could hear from the email. But she was so stressed about stretching to that new payment. And I went, well, yeah, but you're gonna get like a five, six, seven thousand dollar tax deduction. And if you just spread that out over the year instead of getting it back one time in April, give yourself an extra three, four, five hundred dollars a month, you'll be fine. And she went, Whoa? Scooby-dooed me totally. So I will explain that to you in detail later, but know that even the most prepared folks who listen to all the podcasts while they're painting elephants still need an opportunity to ask some more questions. So if you want to be one of these testimonials and ring that bell, (laughs) then hit subscribe right now. And if you already subscribe, rate and review, it's super easy. Or share this podcast with someone that you know. That's easy to do. But subscribe so you make sure you get these podcasts all the time. Share to your friends. Think of someone who needs some help out there who might want to plan. Hey, if you share this to a friend and they end up following the podcast and they end up buying a house, you're going to be a hero to them. And because of that, you can guilt them into you going over to their house and having parties at their house and messing their place up so that when you go back to your house, it's all clean and beautiful because you've already listened to the podcast first, which means you'll be buying a house yourself and you can keep yours clean and just go mess theirs up. Sound like a plan? Awesome. All right. Let's get back to the list of things that you need to do to financially prepare for a home. Now, I mixed in some things within that story, but we're going to go right back to our list. If you've been binging the episodes, this is going to be tip number 19. This is what I talked about at the top of the show, PMI. So what the hell is PMI? No, this is not something that you need to do to prepare, but it's just something that you need to understand and know about. PMI or MI stands for private mortgage insurance or just mortgage insurance. Simply put, it's an extra fee dropped on top of your monthly mortgage, if your down payment's less than 20%. The banks think that anything that doesn't have 20% money into it down could be a risk for them because, you know, God forbid something happens and you can no longer pay on the house. If they've got 20% of a buffer, they feel more comfortable. So you have to pay an extra few hundred dollars, sometimes 100, 200, 250 bucks a month in what we call your PMI. So, now let me explain something very important to you. If you would like the privilege, and that's how I see it the privilege of being able to have a bank loan you 200, 300, 400,000 bucks, they're going to want to protect that investment. I mean, that's a lot of money. And, you know, they're going to ask you a lot of questions. Some people actually get really pissed off at how much they scrutinize you to get a loan. Ever since the mortgage meltdown a decade ago, the banks require way more paperwork. And sometimes it feels like they want, a blood draw, your elementary school report cards, and your firstborn or your pet. I mean, it's insane how much they ask for now, but that's a good thing. It means we're not going to have another foreclosure crisis and a housing meltdown because any Yahoo out there could get a loan. Nope, it's totally changed now. But it's important that the banks are protected, but it's also important that they give you an option to buy if you can't wait till you get to 20%. Like I said, it sounds kind of morbid, but what if you get hit by a bus a year after you bought the house. And what if you bought it for three and a half percent down with these great FHA loans that most of my first time buyers use? And then even this, what if that happened? What if it was after a year, market went down four percent and you only put three and a half percent in? Well the bank is, you know, they're in trouble. That's why they at 20%, they won't charge you the PMI because they feel like they've got that little cushion. Now, some people who have three to five percent down save for down payment when they find out about PMI, And there's an extra charge on top of what they've already punched in their mortgage calculator online. They freak out. They'll say things like, I'm not paying that. I'll just wait till I have 20%. (sighs) To which most of the time, what I would like to say, but I never do because I'm a nice guy. But what I'd like to say is this. Really genius? Okay. How long did it take you to save 5%? 18 months? Okay. Do me a favor. So how long do you think it will take to save the other 15%? Let's do some basic math, okay? What if it takes you the same amount of time? Multiply your rent by the 54 months it's going to take you to save the other 15%, and then multiply your 200 300 or $400 a month tax benefit that you get, which is going to be a write-off for you for being a homeowner. Multiply that by 54 months. Cool. Got that? Now add that up. Okay, so what's that number? Don't even tell me. I know it's a buttload, right? Yeah, that's a buttload that you're throwing away. And of course, let's not forget about that interest rates and prices can change a bunch in the next 54 months, and it might go not in your favor. And of course, if the market goes up, you're going to get equity and appreciation in the house by doing absolutely nothing but sitting on your butt and writing your mortgage check. Okay, so anyway, let's multiply your $150, $200, or $300 PMI monthly fee. Let's multiply that by 54 and see how much lower that is than the other number that we just added up with all those other pieces together. And of course, that doesn't take into account the potential equity, and not to mention the uncertain rise of mortgage interest rates. Okay, got it. Can we move on? All right. You see, PMI, it's a privilege. It is a loan that you make to yourself. And it's a real simple equation. It's a loan that you make to yourself. Little teeny payments that you pay each month in order so that you can make and save buttloads of money by being a homeowner. So don't freak out about PMI. All right, tip number 20, grants and down payment assistance. Once again, it's time for another truth bomb from your man, David Sedoni, the How to Buy a Home guy. There are a ton of programs out there. There's like, last time I looked it up, there were over 2,300 to help people buy homes, especially first-time home buyers. Some of these programs offer, you know, straight up grants right to you which don't need to be repaid. Others have deductions and in interest, some of them have tax benefits. There's all different kinds. Some for doctors and or firefighters and nurses and state employees or teachers. There are a bunch out there, but what I have found, I just completed another course in this. I go and I take them all the time. And at the end of this course, I ran everything, I did all the numbers and I came to the same conclusion that I've been coming to for 13 years that it's a lot of pie in the sky and it's out there in Here's the way it works. Are they out there? Yes. Are they easy to use and helpful when you're trying to get a home? Hell no. That's just the way it is. First, it's limited to who can use them. Everyone is different. I mean, we're talking it's different by state, it's different by county, sometimes it's even different by city. So, a lot of times you got to dig deep to find out about them. Check with your local pro to find something in your designated area. Now, here's the big truth, the big secret behind it most of them have income restrictions. So that means this is a tricky game to maneuver. It's really weird. They offer these grants to people who can't afford to buy a home. But if you can't afford to buy a home or you couldn't afford to save up three and a half percent down payment because your income wasn't there, should you really be thinking about making a commitment to a mortgage and buying a home? So it's kind of rough in that capacity. And also many of them have time commitments, like you have to stay in the home five, 10 years. So what if you get a job transfer? You can't sell your home. And then they might even have rental restrictions. So you're kind of boxed in. They exist, they're out there. I had one of my team members once do something called a NACA and it was really, really difficult. And we almost lost the deal several times. One of the big things about it is right now in 2019, if you're in a competitive market where there are multiple offers coming in, the sellers, if they're looking at multiple offers, they're looking at each offer and giving it a grade. Now, if you're using a grant your grade drops significantly, okay? They're looking at how much is the down payment, how long is the escrow period that you're asking for or the contract period. When you get something with a grant, you're looking at maybe having zero down payment versus someone else who might have 20. And that's a little bit more comfortable because the seller thinks they've got a little more leeway, a little more, you know, if something happens, they've got some room there to extra money to try to close it up and finish up the deal. It also means extended escrow times, all the grant deals. Think about the DMV, all right? You're dealing with government stuff, which means government time. That means you're going to be in at least a 45 to 60-day contractor escrow period when everyone else is going to be coming in, trying to give them 30 or even 21 because it's a multiple offer situation. So in a competitive market, a grant is really, really puts you at the bottom of the pile. So what I always tell people is if there's a grant out there and the income works and we can figure it out, great. Let's see if we can take advantage of it. But truly, most of our buyers use three and a half percent down. So why not just figure out how to save three and a half percent down? I mean, it's better to try to do that. You have more choices. You look better to the seller. You don't go to the bottom of the pile. And not to mention, you're going to develop some good habits along the way. And you're going to be using all the tips. In the rest of this mini-series, it's going to help you get to that 3.5%, and you're going to actually be in a situation where you're not going to lose that house. And, you know, it'll be good. You'll have learned how to budget. All right, tip number 21. This will almost be our last financial tip. Beg. Look, a lot of the loan programs out there will let you get something that they will call a gift, and it truly is a gift. If you get a gift from your parents or your relatives or your friends, you can usually bring that into the loan. You don't have to show that you brought the money in yourself. Now, some loans, you have to check with your unicorn lender. You have to show where the money comes from and that it was yours. Or you have to have money in a bank account that's been there for more than three months. That's called seasoned money. But a lot of times, you can get what's called a gift, especially with like an FHA loan. And I told you this before in other podcasts, and I'm going to continue to tell you this. The minute you start adulting, the minute you start thinking about this stuff, Make sure you tell your relatives. You never know. Uncles, aunts, grandmas, grandpas, a lot of people will be so impressed with you being a responsible person that they'll offer to throw some money in and help you out. And it really helps if you go listen to a couple episodes, develop your own little spreadsheet and plan and budget and the whole thing and drop a presentation on them. Boom! Mom and Dad, I was going to spend $24,000 in rent for the next year, but I was listening to this podcast, and this guy told me that if I did this, I could build up equity, not to mention the tax benefits, and for just an investment of $8,000, I'd be able to get on the road to 3.5% down payment. What do you think, huh? Yeah, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. I just looked at the clock. It uh, looks like we hit about 30 minutes right now. So we're going to save it. We're going to turn... What did I say? Was this a six-parter now? We're going to turn this into a seven-parter. Yeah, baby. I've got one big one that I need to talk to you about. What I was talking to you about with uh, Simonette, my gal from New Orleans. Simonette, Simon and Dave, the tax benefits. If you can't buy a house because your paycheck is too small, when you buy a home, your paycheck can get bigger. And I'll explain that to you guys in the next episode. So I encourage you to listen to this a few more times whenever you have a chance, re-listen to it. Join the How to Buy a Home Facebook page. If you're not a grandma on on Facebook... <laughs> then you can follow me on Instagram. I'm there too. It's follow David Sedoni, David Sedoni on Instagram. Lots of tips there and videos, daily stuff coming up. Check out David Sedoni on YouTube. The YouTube page is up there. I try to put as many videos up as I can. There's a whole bunch of different information if you're looking for specific stuff. Also, feel free to explore the website, davidsedoni.com. Go to davidsedoni.com, especially if you're a reader. All of these podcasts are transcribed and they'll be right there. You can go through and read them all not to mention the blog. And subscribe, write a review if you can. That would be great for us. The more people we can help, we can keep ringing this bell. I'm so stoked. We're like over 33 uh, referrals all over the country. Couple closings and we got more coming up. Thank you so much to everyone out there. Follow, follow all of the advice that you can hear. Use this on your own. It's free for you because you've got someone out here that wants to back you up because I believe in you. And remember, You can do this.